We do continue in our study through the book of Genesis, and we are going through all of Scripture. So the text that we read is a text we'll be reading this week, and we're going to do kind of a summary of some things in the book of Genesis today. If you have not been following along, it is not too late. Today is what day? Today. What is today? Today. And you can always start today. You can listen to the podcast today, and you can go all the way starting today through Scripture, and then at the beginning of next year, when everybody else is done, you get to say, hey, I'm still back reading in Genesis 1, and it works that way, because every day there's a daily reading for today. We also have cards if you want to read it yourself as opposed to listen. You can do it that way. Also, if you struggle with how to get set up for the podcast, Pastor David is always happy to talk to you. I love something that Regina and I experienced back in 1988. We were taking our last big fling before we were going to have children. Now, we got married in 82, so it was seven years from when we got married till we finally had our first child, and we realized that in the year ahead, we were probably going to be starting a family. So we took a vacation, and we went to Virginia, and it was pre-internet days. There was no cell phones. There was no you know, hotels.com or any of that stuff. There was no travelocity. So I called the Chamber of Commerce, and Regina and I talked to people in a particular town looking for a place to stay, and we were directed towards an inn. And at that inn, we called the innkeeper up on the phone to make our reservations. We were going to stay for about a week. And the innkeeper said to us, you need to know how we serve the food here. You pay one price, and then you get what you get. said, we use a European kind of inn called table d'hote. It means at the host's table. It literally means that what I serve and what our family eats, you eat. You get no choices. Now, if you like my food, that's great, because he said, I'm also the chef. And he said, and if you don't, there's not much we can do about it. You don't get to go out and, and order somewhere else. For breakfast and for dinner, you come and the innkeeper's family and all the guests sit in the same room and get all the same food. A number of years later, we went back to that same town, only now we had a little kid named Todd, and we realized that Todd didn't like to have things given to him without his choice. Our Todd used to say, I like to choose my food And so instead of going back to a place where the food was served tobbled out, we chose to stay somewhere else, and we found a restaurant where everything was a la carte. You could literally order anything you wanted, however you wanted, and getting what you wanted satisfied our little guy, and it made for a better vacation. Now here's the point I'm trying to make. We come to life expecting life to be a la carte. Bad news for you, it's not. God does not say you get to pick your experiences. We have no control over people, places, and things. Life gets served up to us. If life was all a cart, every single one of us would look back on our life and see things in our life that we said, I wouldn't have picked this. I don't like that. How come that happened in my life? And so the question for us becomes, in a world in which God created us and we literally sit at the host's table, God's the host, invited us into this world, creates us, sent us a Savior to forgive us, 
gives the Holy Spirit to empower and guide us, what do we do about the fact that our sinful nature says, but I want life to be a la carte? I want to be like the little five-year-old who says, I like to pick my own food. When God says, life doesn't work that way. Amen? Amen. We come to the end of the patriarchs in the book of Genesis. We've read about these patriarchs and matriarchs, people like Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel. And if you paid attention, they all thought life was a la carte. They picked their own experiences, and every time they made a mess out of it. God said, I will give you a child. They got impatient, and over and over again, they did their own thing. They used trickery, deception, conniving, all sorts of things to show us that they were not able to simply accept life on life's terms. They lived by faith and did it their own way. They were good 21st century Americans. I like to live by faith, but God, you really got to do it my way. And then we come to the final one. This is just a patriarch. We're not introduced to Joseph's wife. We see Joseph alone. Now the question is, how is he going to live? Is he going to continue the family tradition of thinking he gets to pick and choose and make a mess out of everything? Or is someone finally going to be the hero of the text? God's the hero of the text. But finally someone's going to come along and say, you know what? God is God. God is sovereign. And no matter what happens in life, I'm going to trust God. And that's what we see in Joseph's life. Joseph's life was tobbled out. It was served up to him. If you go through these stories, and we're going to talk about them, it's not only Donnie Osmond who didn't like them. <laughs> Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor... Sorry, folks. It wasn't only Donnie Osmond who didn't like the experiences. Joseph himself didn't like the experiences. There were things that he never would have chosen. And so, as we look at the text, we see how he responded because, listen, folks, the choice is ours. Not to experience a lot of things that we have happened to us and get to choose whether they're going to happen, but how are we going to respond? Are we going to respond by faith and trusting God and doing the right thing and the next right thing? And as Alona shared with us, time is here. It is just here. It's ours to make the choice on how we live. If we hear the story of Joseph, we discover that we need to choose our focus. Hear that? We choose where we focus. Nobody chooses that for you. We get to look at what we look at. We get to think about what we think about. It's our choice. It doesn't mean that when we face bad news about our children, our spouse, the economy, a job, or something health-related, that we got to choose what happened, but now we get to choose what to focus on. And so back early in the story of Joseph, we're told in, Joseph, in Genesis 39, verse 20, not 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Whoa, that's interesting. So let's see what happened. Joseph is in prison and he realizes that God's favor with, his, with, with him. You see, Joseph was born into a family where he was one of 12 boys. Unfortunately, the other 11 boys didn't really like him. And so if you think you have family problems, nothing compared to Joseph. The 11 brothers beat him up, throw him in a well, 
One says, I think I'm going to save him, but he never does. They're going to kill him. They decide to do a little differently. They sell him as a slave to the Egyptians. They then take his, his coat. They sprinkle it with blood, take it back to the father and said, our brother's dead. They think the story's over, but now Joseph just goes on to Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, he goes and he's in Potiphar's house. And when he's there, he's falsely accused of having an affair with Potiphar's wife that he doesn't have. And therefore, what happens? He continues to do the right thing, live the right way, and he's in prison. And so now the question is, what's he going to focus on? Is he going to feel sorry for himself? Is he going to go through the rest of his life and say, I can't believe that I was born into the family that I was born into? Man, I am the most dysfunctional family. They'll probably write a book called Genesis about me someday. Or does he focus on the goodness of God? The scripture says, look what happened, but, but the Lord was with Joseph. Yes, he'd been beat up, thrown into a well, a well, sold as a slave, lied about, but Joseph's focus was on God's blessing. Whoa. Sitting in the pit of a prison, and it wasn't a nice place, he focused on the goodness of God. But by staying positive, he thrived even in prison. Did you hear that? We heard a story of somebody else today writing from jail. Martin Luther King Jr. could have been angry and bitter, and they could have given him paper, and he could have ripped it up and thrown it away. Instead, he looked at the opportunity to write one of the great American pieces of literature as he writes a letter that we continue to read to this day and will for hundreds of years later. You see, the choice of the focus is ours. Do we see God's faithfulness in the opportunities, or do we see, man, my life is awful. You don't understand how bad things are for me. Two men happen to be in jail with Joseph. They're from Pharaoh's household. And then what happens? They have a dream. God gives Joseph the answer to what their dream means. He shares it with them. One of the men ends up getting released and going back to Pharaoh's house. And Joseph says, please remember me to Pharaoh. So you know what the guy does? He forgets about him when he gets back to Pharaoh. And Joseph stays in jail for a couple more years. Remember, life is tabled out. Life is served up to us at the host table. Joseph had no control over that. He could do what he could do and ask for the person to remember him, but he had no ability to go with the guy and make sure he actually delivered the message. When life is unfair, where do we focus? You see, far too often in life, we fail to realize that our focus really does make the difference in our lives. We get in the car, we drive up north, going towards Boston or Weymouth or wherever we're headed, we're on Route 3, and all of a sudden, we're in the middle of a traffic jam. It's awful. And we look at our GPS, and the, tr the trip that was going to take a half an hour now takes 45 minutes. Maybe it takes an hour. And all of a sudden, the traffic starts to clear, and we look across, and we realize there was an accident on the other side going the other direction, and everybody's focus was on the traffic over there and the mess over there, and it messed everybody up on the road going north. We do the same thing in our lives. We choose to focus on all that that's negative and bad and feel bad about ourselves and how can this happen and where was God in this rather than keeping our eyes on the road and moving forward because that's what God asks of us to do and that's how Joseph chose to live his life. My best friend is a family therapist 
And one day I was talking with him. We tried to get together for lunch about once a month. And I said to him, why is it some people do well and some don't? He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm a pastor. You're a therapist. You deal with people. Why do some people's lives get better and some don't? He said, you know, Stan, it's not about the experiences. The problems are the problems. He said, when you've done what I've done, as long as I've done it, he goes, people's problems are, are people's problems. They're all kind of the same. But it all does matter where the focus is. The person who can learn to look forward and realize things are going to be okay gets better and gets through it. The person who never does, never does. He said, I have no control over that. Joseph teaches us where to focus. We choose our focus. We also get to choose where to give credit. Where do you give credit in your life? Drew and I go through life and say, man, this world is better because it's got a stand cushion in it. You guys have no idea how lucky you are. You get to come on Sunday morning, and I grew up in North Dakota, and I like being outside, so I greet you outside. Wow, your life just wouldn't be good if you didn't have me. Oh, yeah, amen. <laughs> Note it as was not my wife who said that. Or do we give credit to God? Do we give credit to God? Do we realize in every single thing that happens, when life is good, when things are positive, even in the midst of that which is tough, do we continue to return credit to God, to praise to the one who gave us our very life, who created us, who formed us in our mother's womb, who made us who we are, and therefore God deserves all honor and praise for everything. Chapter 41, verse 25. Now, finally... Joseph is in Pharaoh's household because a couple of years later, Pharaoh has a dream and he's like, nobody can tell me what this dream means. And that guy goes, oh, wait a second. I forgot about a promise I made a couple of years ago. There's this guy who was in jail and he was interpreting people's dreams. Why didn't you bring him in here? He probably can help you. And Joseph interprets a dream. And Pharaoh goes, wow, you are amazing. You are better than all the magicians in Egypt. You are an incredible person. It's not what Joseph says. I quote him. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Hear what Joseph says? I'm nothing more than a vessel here. I'm a mouthpiece. I'm a microphone. Let's sit here and... Let's, is this the best microphone? Did you hear what great worship it had this morning? What a great microphone. Let's just sit here and tell it how good it is. That's what we do. The microphone's a microphone. We're microphones, folks. God uses us, and we're blessed to be used by God. But when we take the credit, it's like the microphone greeting us all after worship saying, hey, didn't I give you a good worship service today? And the cables are sitting there saying, what do you mean? We did a better job than you did. But that's how we choose to live our lives far too often. Not Joseph. Joseph is given the gift of being able to tell Pharaoh what the dream means, and he goes, it's not me anyhow, it's God. Joseph could have been a big shot. He could have been the ultimate big shot, because Pharaoh was trying to go right after his ego. And you know what ego is? Easing God out. And Joseph knew that if he let Pharaoh say to him, wow, are you great? None of it mattered anyhow, because now he's the focus of everything. I love sappy Christian movies. 
I really love sappy Christian movies. And people come to me and they say, the acting is bad. I say, the worse the acting is, the better I like the sappy Christian movies. <laughs> I like facing the giants. I like flywheel. I watch them over and over again. One of my favorites is Fireproof. It's a story of a woman named Catherine. Her mom can't afford medical equipment. It's one of the storylines in, in the movie. And she and her husband, Caleb, are having some issues. And Caleb finally quietly goes out and pays for the equipment. He takes all of his savings and he buys the equipment and he says nothing. And then what happens is she thinks this guy named Gavin, who she's working with, who she doesn't know is married because he takes his wedding ring off every time he sees her and hides it in the desk. She thinks he paid for the stuff. And she says something to him, and he takes credit. Pretty good. He gets credit for something he doesn't do, makes sure he makes a little bit of a donation, and now he's taking credit for something that wasn't his. Eventually, she makes a comment and finds out that, oh no, it was not Gavin who's taking the credit for this nice thing in your life. It's actually your husband, Caleb, who used all his savings to pay a bill and didn't take any credit. We get to choose where to give the credit. We get to be either the one who quietly does stuff in our life and gives the honor and glory to God, or we get to be the big shot. And far too often, we don't realize that when Christians become the big shot and don't live a humble life and don't give God honor and credit, that, yeah, we get the credit, but we get the blame, and we don't want the blame, and in the words of Billy Graham, don't give me either. Let me live faithfully and give God the credit, and when things don't go well, I've done my best, and I believe that God's working through all situations. Amen? And so what we start seeing with Joseph is not only does he choose where to focus, he chose where to give the credit, and that's the same choice we get today. Our very life and everything we have, we give honor and glory to God. I watch athletes sometimes when a game is over and somebody gets on and they said, you know, I'd like to give credit to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And people go, oh, they're just saying that. They don't mean that. I say, not really. You know, it was God who made them six foot seven and faster than everybody else. I think once we come to that conclusion and realization that we really do give our honor and glory to God, it doesn't even matter if other people criticize us for it. Because again, that's what we see in Joseph's life. And then we get to choose our thoughts. Not just our focus, but what we think about. What really does live in the weakest six inches of muscle in our bodies between our two ears? We get to choose our thoughts every day. Our thoughts do not need to control us. We make the right choices. We live the right way. We give God the honor and, and glory for everything. And no matter where we are and no matter what we're facing, we discover that God helps us to put our thoughts in order. And so now the story comes to an end, and we hear today's text that we read this morning. And now the brothers are shaken in their boots, because their dad has passed away. They've sold Joseph into slavery. He got knocked down, going into prison, gets out of prison, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and now he is the second most powerful man in Egypt. They know it. He knows it. 
He's been kind to them because they believe their father's been alive and now they face him without their dad and they are absolutely convinced he's finally going to get us. And then what does the Bible say? Joseph says, don't be afraid. Am I God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Wow. Joseph now advanced second in, in command in Egypt. His brothers are in need. They're desperate before him. He can get even. And he goes, that's not what I've been thinking about the whole time. I've just been thinking about how God takes all the circumstances in our life, including the stuff that you thought you were harming me, and how God blessed it and did something good with all of it. He foreshadows Romans 8.28 when the Apostle Paul says, We know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He doesn't say the things that we go through are good. He doesn't say that Joseph's time in prison was good. It was bad. Being sold was bad. Being falsely accused of having an affair was bad. It was awful stuff. But God takes the crap of our lives and blesses it in a way because God is God and we aren't. Amen? Amen. Sermon's over. And if you believe that, I've got some property for you in Florida, and we'll sign it afterwards. We choose how we view the tough and bad things in our life. Do we stay in the hurt, or do we work through seeing God working? Jesus is on the cross. And when we come to worship each week and we see the cross in front of us, we pause and we remember what Jesus said. They're spitting at him. They're putting a crown of thorns on his head. He's desperate for food. He's barely gasping his last breath. Does he say, what a bunch of creepy first century people they are? Man, I can't wait to get even with them. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He gives us the model of what we get to think about. Why can forgiveness be offered? Not because other people are good and they deserve it. Hear me? We don't grant forgiveness because all of a sudden somebody else has done something that we say, wow, that's great, I can now forgive you. We grant forgiveness because we focus on God who forgave us and now we forgive others. We put ourselves in the stories like Jesus says, we've been forgiven a huge debt so we can offer the forgiveness to others. So whatever we face, we can trust God and keep our focus in the right place. Yes, this is Martin Luther King Jr.'s weekend. Something that is set aside in our country as a celebration and in our churches we remember a man of faith and a pastor. We also know that in 1964 he received the Nobel Peace Prize. And if you go and you look on the, the material that's put out by the Nobel Peace Prize Committee, they remind us of this. Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested upwards of 20 times and assaulted at least four times. He was ordered, awarded five honorary degrees and was named the Man of the Year by Time magazine at, in 1963. Then at the age of 35, Martin Luther King Jr. was the youngest man to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. When notified of his selection, he announced that he was the greatest man in the world. Nope. He said, ha ha, I told you all. I told you I was doing something good. Nope. He announced that he would turn the prize money over of $54,123 to further the civil rights movement. 
Hear that? He took no credit. And even when he was awarded something that was amazing for him, I'm telling you, he could have used the money. They didn't have a great house. He said, I'm not here to take credit, and I'm not here to get rich. I'm here to say I wish to faithfully serve God and do the right thing. And even in being awarded an amazing, prestigious award, he gave glory to God and used the award to help others. We choose our focus. We get to choose that every day of our life. In Micah 6, 8, 800 years before Jesus, we find the prophet talking about God's judgment and God's forgiveness. I was reminded of this in a devotion I heard this last week. I've heard the text many times. But for some reason, Micah 6, 8 hit me this week when I heard the words again that Micah says, do you want to know God's plan and purpose for your life? You got to do something. You do justice. Now, the word justice is also the word righteousness. It means you do the things that are right in your society and right in your own life. It's the same word. There's not two words in the Bible. It's not like justice is one thing and righteousness is something else. When we do the right thing in society, we say that's doing justice to make our world a better place, to make our church a better place, to make our workplace a better place. When we do it in our personal lives, we're doing righteousness. We're doing the right thing. We're doing the next right thing. We're living the way God asks us to live. But then the next part that Micah says is love, kindness. Do you know what that means? That means when people harm us, do we choose to be kind? When we take a stand for something, do we choose to be kind? Do we choose to bless other people even when others are not being kind to us? That's what the scripture teaches us. See, that's about learning that we get to choose our thoughts. And then, Micah says, walk humbly with God. Have humility. Realize that God is God and we aren't and our life is a privilege to be here and we are children of the living King who chose to create us and walk with us and allow us to live the lives that we have and to face the problems that we have. Sometimes we call them quality problems. Not because the problems are quality, but it's a quality to have them because God put us in the place where we can live the right way. Table d'hote or a la carte? If we go through life thinking that life is a la carte and we're no different than Pastor Stan's five- or six-year-old child and we get to choose our own food, it may work in some restaurants, but we're going to live a pretty frustrated life. But once we realize that life is offered to us, it's a gift that God gives to us and time is something that we experience every single day, we get to make the choice. We can be like the patriarchs and matriarchs who took their will back continually and made a mess out of every situation. Or we can be like the final one in the book of Genesis, Joseph. Not the hero of the text, but the young child who finally figured it out from the legacy that had been handed down to him. Joseph was not a perfect person. He stood in need of love and grace and forgiveness the same as everyone else. But he did understand that he had the choice of what to focus on. And that's the choice before us today.